176 of the Customer Support Leaders podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today, Matt Dale is the host of the show. I would normally say that I would like to welcome to the podcast today my very good friend, Matt Dale, but I don't get to say that today because Matt has stolen the microphone and is here to be the host. Hi, Matt. Hi, Charlotte. And, and I just want to welcome you to the podcast today. You know, we've been on the opposite side of the table here before a few times, and I'm, I'm super excited for the uh, audience to have a chance to get to hear a little bit more from you uh, and, and hopefully less from me because I tend to talk too much and talk fast. So uh, hopefully today will be a chance for us to kind of get to hear a little bit more about your experience as a leader in customer support. Um, and for today's topic, uh, just kind of starting off in general, I, I kind of like to talk about what it's like uh, coming into a new organization as a leader. Um, and just some of the challenges and some of the things that you've experienced as you've as you've done that. So um, I just kind of like to start off on on kind of your general thoughts on that as you as a new leader coming into a team. You know, what, what where do you start? What do you what do you first kind of think about? And 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 kind of what does that look like as you progress over the next couple months? Yeah, it's a super interesting topic, isn't it? And I am eleven months now into my role at Snowplow, so um, not. Very new, but I still have some memories of those early days. So I'm sure well, I- we've, we've spent a lot of time talking to over the over the last you know twelve months about hey I've got this yeah. new gig coming up and hey I'm getting started and so I, I it's something that's really interesting to me is kind of seeing hey how how have those last eleven months been? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, like the really early days. Um, I, you know, when like many people coming into a role like this, when I was going through the interview process and and when I've interviewed for similar roles in the past you arrive at a role with kind of that 30, 60, 90 plan, don't you? Even if it's pretty generic, I think that, um, which mine usually is because you can't make definite plans until you're in the door. Um, but I think, I think that there's it, the 30, 60, 90 that you form before you get in the door is idealistic, I think. And I think what you have to do when you're finally in the door is accept that that's probably not going to happen. And you actually have to re like completely reframe the upcoming three months in your own mind. And, and, and that's not something either that you, you can just finalize on day one. I think that, that there is, there are peaks and troughs of, of learning over those first few weeks and early months, aren't there? So, so let's talk a little about those first few weeks then, like, you're getting to know the team. You've walked in the door. You've got your plans, your 30, 60, 90, which you also know are going to go completely out the window once you actually see how things really are in the organization. Um, what's what's kind of the first steps as you get in there? Do you, do you focus on getting to know the people? Do you try to learn the product? Like, Where, where, where would you start or where would you recommend uh, starting for, for some of our listening audience here? Um, I think it would horrify most of the people in my organization now and maybe every organization that I've ever stepped into if I was to say that I think as an experienced support leader I think the product comes almost last I, I think that makes sense that's that's where I would be kind of going to like that's good and we can get to that but it kind of almost doesn't matter in that first few weeks right yeah yeah and I, I think that's something I would never say in an interview <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yes luckily we're not in an interview here no one's ever going to hear this so we're, we're fine right yeah yeah if someone's dug this out of the archives a few years from now absolutely i advocate for, for learning yeah, so, the so product before you do anything review, how, how are things going this year charlotte i listened to the last podcast here and i and you were 
laptop and you said that you didn't care about our product. Holy cow. No, but I, I think that's a, a good point when you're, when you're looking at that, I think at least from where I, from what I've seen, uh, focusing more on the people and kind of how things are and the dynamics is a really great place to start. So what does that kind of look like kind of in your situation, setting aside the product for a minute? Uh, what, what would kind of be your first steps there? Yeah, I, I think that I think the product comes by osmosis largely for me. And I think it comes through understanding the team's relationship to the product and and to the rest of the organization. And and um I think very, very quickly also you get a sense of the health of the operations. I think that's something that those two areas are the the key for me. Like the people, how what their challenges are, how they fit together, how well they work right now. Um and the operations, how smoothly are the operations running? And I think if I can draw two quick judgments about those in the first week, that gives me like a really, really clear direction for the next few weeks. Good. Okay. No, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I know when I've at, at Illuminate, we've gone through situations where we've brought different teams together through an acquisition, and and that that's a similar situation where you're you're the person coming in from the outside, going, "Hey, I'm you're you're part of my team now." Um, I need to understand what you're doing. I need to understand who you are and how things are functioning so that I can then understand how I need to to bring that together with our team and how we can get everyone on the same page and a good go forward plan. So I, I think that that resonates with some of the experiences I've had. Um, when I when I start out too, I find that I, I just want to interview each person on my team and say, let, let, let's sit down for you know, as much time as you want to share with me. Um, and, and let, let's talk and, and get to know uh, each other and, and, you know, tell me what's working really well and tell me the things that are, you know, that, that aren't working well, like that, that we need to, that we need to improve as we, as we come together. And I think those are things that have worked well in the past for me. Have you had similar experiences or is there any questions that you like to ask folks in those situations? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's a really, really strong way to start. And, uh, I, try to have those conversations more than once i i try you know i i need to set up one-to-ones and they've got to be regular and they still are regular and for as long as i can remotely manage doing weekly meetings with every single one of my team as long as that's scalable i'll continue to do that so um i think that because i think that in those early conversations you might learn some early pains but also what you do is develop trust and actually you learn much more about the pains after a few months than than in those very first conversations. I think that's just about social connection and trust and maybe getting some early understanding, but I think it's going to be pretty superficial. Yeah, I, th- I think that matches my experience as well. It's really about listening and and learning and and sharing about yourself, not from a professional perspective, but just, hey, this is who I am as a person. Um, you know, I, th- I think you have one chance at that first, you know, that first interaction, that first impression, and and that can make such a difference there. So good. Okay. Well, that that's kind of talking about the first parts here. We've, we've talked about, you know, having the 30, 60, 90, we've talked about getting to know folks um, on the team. What are some of the other things that you look at kind of big picture as you're coming in? Maybe not the first couple of weeks, but, you know, maybe let's say the first three months, what are you working on and what are you thinking through and how are you approaching um, those different challenges? I think in a really informal way for me, it's about the health of the team as a whole. Like, uh, and again, this, this I've said this so many times. My my support career when I stepped away from being on the front line for me, the thing that pulled me away from the front line was operations. It's like understanding operational pain and challenges. And so, when I think about team health, 
that's how I think of it. I think about how healthy they are from an operational perspective. Where where does it seem there are bottlenecks in process? Where does it seem like there is wasted time? Where does it seem um, that there are frustrations because they feel blocked, um, you know, in, in terms of like achieving the end goal of serving the customer? And, and I, I think it's just like operationally for me, I think that's how in it, that next stage, that next stage of, of understanding is is kind of about that sort of operational health. Let's call it operational health rather than team health. I, th- I think that's actually a good distinction to make between the, how are we functioning as a team and, and how is the team, you know, doing mentally and emotionally and, and all that, because I think you can have a team that operationally is functional, but maybe very dysfunctional, you know, from a, a relational perspective and, and vice versa. You know, you may have a situation where stuff's all broken and, but the people are really good. They're strong. They've connected well. You've got a good foundation to kind of work from there too. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Is there any tools that you use to identify those bottlenecks or, or help prioritize? Like how do you kind of approach that process? That's a good question. I think, I think that really varies organization to organization, right? Because I think every support team functions in a different way. And so you have to apply different tools to it. Um, like if, if we're being like really specific about the tooling, um, I think I, I like to obviously take a dive into, into Zendesk or equivalent and understand like, you know, are there any, actually find things that I don't understand like if things just if there are crazy outliers in number of replies or the time it takes something to be resolved or the ticket volumes like just have you know no coherent cohesive kind of pattern to them so looking for like alarm bells there in in the in the operational metrics of 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 providing the support um but uh, but then also looking um the structure of the team's day, if that makes sense. And, and I think there's different ways you can do that. Certainly you get some sense of that from your help desk. Some of that will come from conversations with the team. Um, here uh, in my current place, the single biggest um, gain I've made is by putting time tracking in place, um, which I absolutely and only use to help us better operationalize it isn't there is no performance measurement individual performance measurement around time tracking we only use it to drive improvements across the team and let, let's talk about that for a second because i know time tracking is one of those tender subjects where it's kind of like oh man like the boss is trying to look at me and you know make sure that i'm doing everything this is there i've got to spend all this time writing down everything i do and it's taking a bunch of my time like how have you been able to balance that or what are some of the keys you might suggest in in kind of balancing that instead of it being a a punitive or a a, a particularly onerous task how do you kind of find that sweet spot where it's useful to the organization useful to yourself your higher ups but isn't killing the folks that are trying to do the work yeah finding the right tool is really important um i i there is such a variance in time tracking platforms out there. And for me, my team at Snowplow work at such a fast pace. They do not have the the luxury of saying, hmm, what have I been working on for the last four hours? I'll write one time entry for that. <laughs> they, right. they, they, they are logging time sometimes that is a minute and a half. They were working on something. So I actually need uh, – because – 
with time tracking and, and other initiatives like it, the you, the better the quality of the data and the more complete the data, the better analytics you can draw from it. And therefore, the more success you're going to get from any, any initiatives that you drive out of it. So for me, prioritizing the completeness and the accuracy of the data was was the kind of dual dual north star if you like and that came down to one thing it had to be as frictionless an experience as possible for the team because it had to not interrupt their flow or let's say it interrupts their flow for sure but it does it in the most frictionless way possible so all the research I did around tooling for time tracking was with that single um that single goal in mind how frictionless could I make it for the team Nice. That's, I think, a, a useful thing and a good, a good North Star, certainly. I know when I've seen initiatives like this in the past, uh, in the old days at Illuminate, it was like, keep tracking this Excel spreadsheet of everything you're doing all day long. And it's like, oh my gosh, kill me now. This is like the worst thing ever. We're going to make everybody frustrated. It's not, what are we going to do with the data? Is it going to be even useful? And so, yeah, I think yeah. there's a knee-jerk response from sometimes from management. It's like, hey, we need to do this, but but I think it's a good to be able to push back and say, hey, what kind of friction are we introducing in in our agents' lives and in our team's lives? How can we is is the data worth it, right? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Um, yeah, you yeah. Ha- you have you have to absolutely have a, a you have to have a vision of what you're going to achieve with it. And and you might not be able to and I certainly couldn't quantify what the ROI was going to be in terms of minutes or dollar or anything but but for the fact that I knew that without it we had no visibility and that every every data point I could layer on to visibility to that visibility was going to be key to making the changes that I recognized in those early few weeks were like the big operational pain points so um, we were time tracking with I think within three weeks of me joining the company nice an early initiative and, and it sounds like it's been fairly successful from a, an operational has, perspective. I mean, yeah, the thing with something like time tracking is it has a lead time as well. And that was why I put some urgency to it because I'm, I knew that we had to get the tool in place. We had to develop the habit. We had to under, like develop effectively a taxonomy for it. Um, and, uh, and then um, obviously operationalize, like actually analyze the data and then operationalize on the data that's assuming that, I mean, that really is four to six months lead time on getting anything useful out of your first time tracking entries, um, if you're lucky. And that's assuming that, you know, people run with it from day one and they hit all of the kind of targets around completeness and, and accuracy and everything else. Well, they're human beings and they didn't. (laughs) It took a few months to develop the habit. It took a few months to understand that we needed to measure some things in different ways. And and we actually gave it a complete overhaul after about five months where we completely reinvented like all of the tagging taxonomy and everything that we use within the time tracking tool. Um, So it was far from a bump-free start, but we are now 11 months down the line we have a really clear picture of we we now have a few months worth of very accurate very complete very analyzable data um and we are making improvements and significant projects are coming out of that data now um and so it's just like sometimes you have to just do the thing knowing that the lead time is going to be quite long um and it's not going to be easy but if you if you believe in it and you know that it's going to get you to a good place, 
you, you just have to kind of help your team along on that journey, really. And I think what you've said there too, one of the big key takeaways that I would have from that is the the idea that, hey, we're going we're gonna to get something out here right now. Um, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a challenge. You, you're not expecting your people to be at the, at the perfect level. Um, and, and you're also committing to saying, Hey, we're going to reevaluate this in a couple months. And I think that's a real key to some initiatives that, you know, that are big picture that are, that are challenging. Uh, when I, when I look at our business, uh, at Illuminate, we do software for schools. And so our back to school season is really busy. Um, the first year we ended, we, we added some areas in Zendesk that allowed us to track different, um, types of, of issues and different parts of our system that we were seeing the issues. Um, after looking at that and working on that for the first, you know, back to school season, we spent the next six months kind of retooling and saying, what do we want to have so that when we enter August, we're ready to go and we can we can ha- then have a, a solid busy season with good data that's not causing a bunch of friction to our team, but it's actually stuff that our product team is able to take and use. And I think a lot of times it's easy to get kind of focused on, I've got to do it perfect right off the bat and it, I'm going to sit here and be paralyzed rather than, hey, we're going to get this out here. It's going to be messy. And we're and I'm committing to you, my team, that that we're gonna that we're gonna fix that. So I, I think that's really really solid and a, a good kind of approach when you're talking about uh, change management in a in a team, especially in an environment where you're you're new. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like for the type of team I'm leading right now, these these are like incredibly um, skilled engineers, and they understand the importance of accuracy and and of being like laser focused on the solution. But we, we're human beings and we are a bit messy and we produce messy data. And, and so that's a conversation I have to kind of revisit a few times, um, you know, every couple of months. It's like there, there is this kind of sense of like, I'm not sure this looks right. Should we be doing it this way? Because this isn't the most accurate way to do it. It's like it's the most accurate and it's the best right now. And we can evolve this two months from now and we'll probably evolve it two months after that. But but right now, this is the best we've got. So let's just start here. You know, it's, you, you have to build something of a foundation before you can build the pyramids, right? Well, and I think that idea of good enough is really powerful too, right? Like it's not perfect. And, and dealing with engineers, that's it's hard because the world is perfect. It's ones and zeros. It's, it's on and off. It's black and white. But I think if we can be kind of comfy in that gray spot going, hey, this is, this is 80% of what I'm looking for. Um, and, and living with that and trying to kind of be in that environment for a while, it, it's much more powerful than trying to get a hundred percent and not even being able to start because of that. So, so kudos to you for that initiative and, and being able to kind of watch that progress and continue to evolve over the time. Mm-hmm. The last topic I kind of like to touch base on as we you know get ready to wrap things up here is I kind of want to talk a little bit more about um, what it's like coming in with with senior leadership then and in, in coming into to, to a team as a new person, they've got ideas about what they want for the role, perhaps. Uh, maybe they're aware of some of the challenges, but you're coming into this situation and you've got to communicate to them the the truths that are going on for your team. You've got to set the direction. How do you kind of approach that process, perhaps in general or or you know, in your last uh, initiative or last 11 months? Mm. Yeah. Um that's a that's a hard one to answer because it has so many levels. <laughs> I think that um, so I, I, I think that one thing that I've learned joining a company the size of this organization is as their first head of support um, is that I was hired as the person who knows support. And uh, I think that consequently I am bringing a bunch of quite specific expertise um, to a company that hasn't had those expertise before. I mean, like a lot of startups, they were 
they were making it happen, right? They were they were doing the job. They were like every day they got they got the the service out the door and they did it well. And like they have such a like my team has such a great relationship with our customers. But um ultimately there comes a point where you need to figure out how you how you can maintain that over time as you grow. And and I think that was one of the reasons I was hired really was that they had reached that point where they needed someone with those expertise. Um, what that does mean is, though, that when you are the the only person with that specific skill set in an org- in an organization, and this is true of any of the functional competencies in an organization, right? That um, you have to find ways to um, like build trust that you know what you're doing. <laughs> frankly, <laughs> help them understand. Help anyone in the organization understand why you're making the calls that you're making um and 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 believing in the value of what you're doing as well and like just sticking to like like just actually trusting yourself that like you were brought there for a reason and that actually might not be always obvious to people who haven't worked in your in in your air in your arena before but um but trusting that you'll get there and that's why you were hired I think it's an interesting point too. Sometimes they say, hey, we need someone in this role. In your case, perhaps maybe a little bit where it's like, hey, we, we know we need someone like this. And then we get them and then we're like, oh, this is making us uncomfortable because it's pulling us in this direction or pulling us in that. Like we, we intellectually know we want it, but we're not really sure at the heart level that like when push comes to shove, like, do we really need to do this? And, and I think winning them over and being able to, like you said, show that um, the competence, uh, show that they were right in, in selecting you as the hire and, and then Hey, this is the, this is the direction we need to go. Here's why. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really important. In your organization, it sounds like there's a very much kind of an engineering mindset and very kind of technical. Is there a specific language that you need to to, to share information with? In, in that case, I know some places are very relational, some places are very data driven. What, what kind of language do you use when you're communicating with with your leadership team? It, uh, data is the way to go in a, a behavioral data management company. I think, I think that's the way, you know, I think that just uh, that there's nothing that speaks to speaks better than a graph with three dimensions and kind of a, a clear narrative over it. Um, or for that matter, like if you can distill something to one number you know, um, that makes sense that you can tell a story around. Um, and, and, and that helps me because I'm very data driven as well. So when I think of all, I like, why, why else would I put time tracking in place within three weeks? <laughs> it's because I need data. Yeah, you definitely have a data bent, right? Like you want to <laughs> yeah. understand what's going on. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Okay. And I'm absolutely not a data analyst. Um, so I have to relearn a bunch of like charting and everything in Google sheets, every, <laughs> I have to go digging around for help in functions and things, but, but nonetheless, like just understanding like that, that you, you can, not only work with that data yourself, but you can use it to talk to other people. Well, I think we're pretty close to the end of time. Do you have any one um, thing that you want to share with the audience about uh, about your experiences kind of coming into a new organization or any one thing that you think would be particularly helpful for them? Wow, my one piece of advice. Well, yeah, that's I right. Like, I mean, you've asked me that a million times, so I want to turn turn around the favor here. And so, yeah. so, yeah, and you have given me a million pieces of advice, and they've all been gratefully received. Um, so, you want me to give one piece of advice that isn't go and ask Matt Dale? Um, <laughs> hey, that's totally fine. If you want to come ask Matt Dale, I'd be happy to happy to help. But no, let, let's let's give them something that's applicable to their lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I so I think that um, 
when you step into a new role, I think that the the biggest single thing that I would say is that you don't and can't know everything on day one. Um, And you're damned lucky if you know a reasonable about by day 30 or day 60. Um, And I think that just accepting that this is a journey, it's not something that you begin and it's, it's done you know um and I, I think that's my it's you don't you don't know what you don't know and and uh I'm still discovering things I'm still I'm still making like huge I'm still having like huge personal learnings almost every day in my role and I'm 11 months in and that will probably continue because this is for me this is a very complex environment it's a very complex product very complex uh uh sort of set of um operations for my team and so on and so on and so on and so it's there is this infinite landscape of things to learn and um i think just keep learning there we go that's my piece of advice nice. keep keep learning. love it keep keep learning and also i heard there you know don't get don't get psyched out don't spend too much time in your head thinking you got to know everything right off the bat because i know personally that's something that i've struggled with a lot over the years and still struggle with you know as a nine-year veteran at illuminate i'm, I'm still feeling like I'm, I'm not the right person for the job so so yeah, I think you know we're two experienced people, and we we've have those feelings. Folks out there that may have less feel like they have less experience know that we all feel that too. So cool. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for letting me have the main mic today. It was fun to kind of switch the switch the table around here and uh, guest host and interview you. It's been a, a true pleasure, uh, and I look forward to next time we get together. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, there there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 176 for the show notes and I'll see you next time.